Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Carol Jean. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM 640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. And we're on the radio 1 till 4 after 4 o'clock. John and Ken on demand. The podcast and you could listen to what you missed. Yeah, and uh, of course, we have a chance for money uh, coming up in about 15 minutes. The KFI Cash Contest continues. We'll have the Moist Line people lined up next hour. So there's a lot to come. This hour later on, we'll be talking about the the juvenile justice system or what's left of it in L.A. County with a couple of stories related to it. But basically, the, the top line of this is L.A. County D.A. George Gascon does not believe in any kind of detention for juveniles who commit crimes, even violent ones. He wants mm-hmm. diversion programs is the word they use, which are which are which is nonsense. And we'll explain it's, that that what that means. And there's another lawsuit against him because apparently some of his uh, deputies are fighting back against him and he's retaliating against them by demoting them. We'll get into all of that. First, we begin with the Los Angeles City Council. And uh, we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, Mark Ridley Thomas. But uh, under the radar was another case well, that popped up this year. And that's current price. There are so many. Uh, indicted and imprisoned and disgraced L.A. City Council members. It's just hard to keep track. And uh, Curran Price, uh, yes, he has been indicted and he's going to go to trial. 
And uh, Price's attorney made a court filing uh, this week uh, pushing back on the uh, charges. Which yeah, he this says is are five f- counts of grand theft by embezzlement, three counts of perjury, two counts of conflict of interest. It deals with uh, medical premiums for his uh, wife slash girlfriend and other charges dealing with payments to his wife's consulting company. Uh, it's always housing developments or real estate, you know, hotels, condos, shopping centers. I, I, just a question. Can somebody build uh, a real estate project in L.A. without bribing a public official? Be very hard. It, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. You know, maybe if it's a little fast food joint or something, you just want to sneak like in there. A lemonade stand if somebody's kids want. <laughs> I think it's funny you guys are talking about trying to keep up with all these cases. Every time I do an update on one of these political corruption cases, I'm like, which one is this again? I'm like pulling the files like, oh, yeah. So that really does speak volumes. Just as a reporter, it is hard to keep up with all of the allegations with the different various city council members. But yeah, guys, as you mentioned, arraignment for current price was postponed today for the third time. This arraignment was first uh, first pushed out in July, then again in August. Now we're here to recap. Price's wife allegedly received payments totaling more than $150,000 between 2019 and 2021 from developers before Price voted to approve projects. Price is also charged with receiving more than $33,000 in medical coverage for his wife while he was still married to another woman. That was from, I believe, 2013 to 2017. Uh, Price's legal team is challenging the sufficiency of the criminal uh, complaint against him. His team filed this challenge, I'm told, late yesterday. Uh, Councilman Price's team says there is no allegation that Councilmember Price acted willfully or knowingly with the conflict of interest charges or financial disclosure charges. Price's team also states that the embezzlement charges are time barred, so essentially the statute of limitations has passed on any of those charges. The defense says uh, if there are, the defense basically is saying that their challenge to this these charges, even if it's denied and the case goes forward, the case will fall apart when the prosecution is required to put forth its evidence. I reached out to the councilman's office to see if I could get an interview with his legal team, still waiting to hear back. I did have a chance to catch up with Deputy DA Casey Higgins today, the lead prosecutor on this case. He says he's confident this case will push on. We'll start here with Higgins saying that the issue of this being willful. So one of the complaints uh, that Price's legal team had on these charges was that Price did not act willfully. Well, Higgins says the issue of willful is implied in the fact that Price was charged to begin with. All crimes, unless it says specific intent, are it has to be willful. No one can put your gun to your head and force you to do something under duress and you'd be criminally prosecuted for it. So that's why it's interesting that they're fighting over willful when that's presumed in all charges, even if it's not specifically stated. But more importantly, uh, if it's going to notice that he willfully did it, uh, we laid out the checks, the amounts, the dates, the city council vote file and his vote. That's way more than most defendants get as far as what our theory is and what we're alleging. Uh, if, if, the implication from their motion appears to be, and we'll see in court, uh, that somehow his staff bungled this. Um, we'll file a motion. Uh, we've indicated in his public record that uh, in our response to the city attorney motion to quash our request for records, uh, that th- these are not the only instances. There's potentially a five to six more conflict of interest charges alone that we could bring, that we haven't, and we may or may not. 
So right there, you kind of get an idea of where Price's legal team may try to take this. It was my staff, and that's what Higgins right. is describing. <laughs> Which is, uh, so they're not denying that this happened. They're saying he wasn't responsible personally. Yeah, and so, and one thing I just want to show or, or, or point to, guys, is Higgins further supported his claim that Price had some sort of idea uh, that some of this was going on. We'll go to this bite. It is public uh, information from LA Times in 2019. They reported that FPP, FPPC, so Fair Political Practice Commission, who um, regulates disclosure on your forms under penalty of perjury, which is some of his charges, told him, hey, look, you and your wife, there's an issue. He was on notice then. All of our charges are after that. So he was on full notice, but I haven't heard and haven't read and remains to be seen that he fired any of his staff if they're so bad at this, that they took any action to correct this. Uh, it's an obligation on him as a civil servant. Well, well, it's good to dump it on your staff because, I mean, can they be charged with a crime? Well, in these cases, typically the staff is not charged with the crime. Right. And the way Higgins describes it is these are your staff. You're still right. responsible right. So at the end of the day. He's blaming people that wouldn't get in trouble for it. That's, that's, a, that's a really clever strategy there. <laughs> Well, guys, we also have a possible side battle forming here between the L.A. County DA's office and the L.A. City attorney. I do want to go to this as well. Court papers show that in 2019, the L.A. Times had quoted Price's wife, Del Richardson. I'm going to go to these court papers right now just so you guys yeah. can hear how this was sparked at this point in the uh, in the case. Uh, this is an article again from 2019 where she said, at one point I was told anyone I spoke with, this is Del Richardson speaking, by the way, according to the L.A. Times. At one point I was told anybody I spoke to worked with, et cetera, that did or wanted to do any business with the city of L.A. while my husband was in office would be conflicted as long as he held office, Richard said, wrote, wrote. Then I was told that if I had contract or relationship prior to him taking office, I was OK. Then if I what then it was if I had an eight year history, I was OK. So saying if there was a prior relationship, it was OK. Well, uh, Higgins told me that he's actually reached out to the city attorney's office to try to get uh, some of that correspondence between the city attorney and Del Richardson. And he says he is getting some pushback from this. Here's a little bit of that exchange as well. And a lot of this is just really starting to surface what's kind of going on behind the scenes with this current price case. You say the city attorney, and I, we'll go back, we'll go over to this in a sec. You say the city attorney is declining your requests to get some information on what kind of conversations they had with current price and Del Richardson, uh, because you believe they did give them some sort of advice as to how they should handle these votes. That's what it appears from the LA Times article. So I'm just going by what was there. And I'm just asking, hey, I saw this. Uh, and you you gave definitely advice to his wife, according to this article. I'd like to know what that is. And they have asserted uh, their right to attorney client and work product. And we've challenged in our response that um, we don't think that those are valid reasons because uh, the client is the city, the entity. And part of the argument is Kern Price couldn't even wave and talk about what they talked about because he's not the client, but he, but he's covered by it. And not only is he covered, his wife, who's not a city employee, is covered by it. Um, and our argument to that as well is, well, you've waived whatever rights you may have had to attorney client when you did nothing since 2019 to notify LA Times not to print that or to print a retraction or sue Del Richardson. They've responded that they don't, uh, according to their responses, that. They don't think that's persuasive, but that's our argument that it's been waived. And it was incumbent on them if they thought it was so valuable to protect that privilege to do something about it. 
and I reached out to the city attorney's office for an interview. They gave me a statement that said the city, while the city attorney's office is committed to assisting the district attorney's office to the fullest extent permitted by law and ethics, the dis- district attorney's office is seeking confidential and privileged information that our office is not permitted to produce. It's our duty to preserve the confidentiality of attorney-client privilege communications. And breaching this obligation would not only violate the law and professional ethics, but would make it impossible for the city attorney to adequately represent the city of L.A. So there is a side battle there Mm. between these two departments. And uh, I think with this interview, we're really starting to get an idea of kind of what's unraveling behind the scenes. This is largely, as you guys mentioned, been a pretty quiet case. Right. All right. Very good. Thank you, Blake. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We got more coming up, including your chance to win some money. Next, a keyword will be revealed. Johnny Ken KFI. AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. All right. Well, last week we covered the story uh, out of West Covina where at a liquor store an employee tried to stop two guys who were stealing merchandise, which I would imagine was the booze, and he was shot to death. Uh, We now know his name is Karan Singh. Uh, what we do know more of today is that they've arrested a suspect in his killing, and it's a 17-year-old. Hmm. The Los Angeles County DA's office swiftly filed charges for first-degree murder against the teen who is from East Los Angeles. They haven't released his name because he's a minor. But so, this brings us to so our next subject. He's going to be charged as an adult? Well, they brought first-degree murder charges against him. That would seem to be the case, but I don't know. Uh whether or not it gets eventually switched to juvenile court, or they, it sounds to me, because he's going to make an appearance in the Pomona courthouse, it sounds to me like for now he's being charged as an adult. But the difficulty here is that that's not what George Gascon wants to do. Uh, murder cases, he'll probably act like, you know, he wants strong punishment, but then by age 25, the idea is to release these people, these murderers even. That's what we do in California. Right, because if you if you charge them as a juvenile, then they're out of 25, roughly. Right. If you charge them as an adult, then they could stay forever. So how's... Uh, we don't know yet. Charging know everybody as juveniles. You can just tell the press, I got first-degree murder charges against them. But if you're going to take this to juvenile court, that could be a whole different thing, right? Than taking them to adult court. It doesn't say in the story which it is. So... I'm guessing the Pomona courthouse would probably be an adult charge, but I don't know. But nevertheless, that leads us to the policies of George Gascon concerning juveniles, violent juveniles even. And we have another lawsuit against him by a deputy DA. A man by the name of Philip Glaviano has filed a lawsuit against Gascon for retaliation, transferring him as what's described as a less prestigious post and stymieing his career advancements. This takes us back to the juvenile court system because he was head deputy DA in the juvenile division before he was transferred. And the reason he was transferred is he doesn't like Gascon's policies, which is to treat juveniles, even violent ones, with diversion programs. In fact, this man's predecessor, Deputy District Attorney Sean Randolph, brought her own lawsuit against Gascon's policies. So you can see whoever heads this juvenile division is told by Gascon or his operatives, I don't care what the, what the youngster did, put him in a diversion program. And they're like, no, that's not even legal. Well, and see that- when they do that, 
then they said, we're going to demote you. That seems to be what's going on. Right. And I guess that's what gives him standing in the lawsuit is he was directed to do to do something illegal and then he gets punished for it. That's what he's saying. So yes. it's not a case of just, hey, you got to listen to your boss. It's, hey, my boss is ordering me to do something that's against the law. I'm not going to do it. And then I get demoted. Well, his predecessor, I mentioned, Deputy District Attorney Sean Randolph, she won her case. She was awarded one and a half million dollars in the first of her two lawsuits. So they believed her when she said, I was just being retaliated against because I objected to these policies of just putting well, violent juveniles into diversion programs. It's, it's clear that's what went on. And who knows what this that is, means, a diversion program? Well, what is it's, that? You it's, go to the counseling? Is it's, that what it is? It's garbage. It means a cover story for the media while we let all these monsters loose. Right. Gascon wants these guys loose on the street. And he doesn't want him incarcerated, but he's got to have some kind of cover story. And that's all this is. Diversion programs, nobody can ever define one. Nobody can explain what it is. Nobody can, can prove that it, it works. How would you judge how it works? I, I mean, I mean it, it's total. Not, so much of this is just complete horse crap, just complete nonsense. All these terms that have no definition to them. That have no, no, no studies done explaining it. There aren't examples. You ever see? They never hold a press conference and show. Hey, you know, here's eight graduates of our diversion program. Each one of these eight killed somebody. Killed somebody, and now look what they're doing. They're working on a farm together, raising tomatoes and cucumbers. You don't hear any of these stories. Um, connected to this, and this could be the death knell for the L.A. County juvenile detention system. Newsom vetoed a bill that was going to provide a billion and a half, a billion dollars for infrastructure improvements at L.A. County's juvenile halls and camps. See, the question becomes here, if you have a violent juvenile, don't you still want them held somewhere? Or do you want Gascon's approach and the Board of Supervisors approach and what John Jesslin based did, send them to a diversion program? John said, right, send them to a farm where they can plant vegetables or something and <clears throat> they, learn to work with their hands and uh but this, this, that's what i'm saying it's it's like uh, when that when they talk about rehabilitation programs in state prison the same thing what rehabilitation programs i don't oh, they always say that too we're going to release them and put them in a program where they'll be taken care of or we have locally and, Pro and sometimes they don't show up or they it, don't care and it's, a, it's a program it's a program it's a program i keep hearing that stupid word what is it what's the success rate here why would these work what does it do to a hostile criminal brain? All this stuff is internal. It's in their head, their anger, their lack of impulse control, their bad upbringing. It's all inside their head. I don't get what it is they're telling these people Wait. who have damaged brains. Oh, you'll love this paragraph. <laughs> there are people that are being called juvenile justice reform advocates one of them is a group called Youth Justice Reimagined. So here's what they're proposing. Uh, they should be a newly created Department of Youth Development. And we could, we could do several things. Uh, diversion, intervention, in-home confinement. And how about smaller, safe, and secure healing centers? <laughs> this is all nonsense. <laughs> you know what? The, 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 I'm sure they, they must test these phrases 
Uh, you know, here's Poland. a guy that just beat somebody bloody. Let's send him to a healing center because they think somehow that plays with the public. I, I, I'm assuming they 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 test this stuff maybe with focus groups. I, I uh, guess. Would it you? Just would sounds you, so. Uh, I don't know. Inviting. Well, oh, well, a healing center. Well, we have people who could be against that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They come up with phrases where people feel guilty if they if they disagree. Like you, you well, there's no you you there's not such thing as a healing center. A healing center, that's stupid. What are you against healing? <laughs> and that's what they do. They prey on people's. Uh, I don't. Uh, they're they're naivete. Naivete. Right? Yeah, people want to be on the right side of things. They want to be. Oh, I'm compassionate. I'm understanding. I believe in second chances. I believe in rehabilitation. I believe in redemption. Every human being can be saved. And and the truth is. None of that exists. There's no rehabilitation. There's no counseling. There's no diversion. These are bad guys. And whether you keep them in prison or not, it doesn't matter. Their brains are bad. They're, fried. They're fried. They've, they've, got, they've got issues you cannot fix. They had terrible, uh, abusive childhoods, neglected childhoods, or they're born crazy. They're born with psychotic issues. I will return. Johnny Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere. iHeartRadio app. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. All right, coming up in the big 3 o'clock hour, of course, we'll have two rounds of the Moist Line. We're also going to talk about, and it's connected to something that Newsom just did. He signed a couple of bills dealing with the way California helps and or deals with mental illness. And next March... There will be a big primary ballot coming your way. There will only be one statewide ballot measure to vote on. And Newsom made sure of that. He has cleared the path. You may have a local ballot measure or two, but as far as a statewide vote, there's only going to be one. Six billion dollar bond to build more hospitals to do something about our mental care system. That's it. He's betting a lot on this. And this bill is also supposedly... Going to come up with a new way to treat people who are incapable of taking care of themselves. And how many times have we talked about this topic when it comes to the homeless, right? Uh, The idea that somebody is uh, so whacked out on drugs or so mentally ill that they need to be taken from the streets and given proper care. But we can't do that because of the way our laws work. Supposedly, this bill also contains a change to that. Anyway, we're going to talk to the Reverend Andy Bales. Union Rescue Mission after three o'clock about what he thinks about the chances of this actually working in some media outlets. It's being hailed as a big change. Others, of course, are skeptical and we'll get into the details. You always have to be skeptical because so much of what they've done sounds good on paper and then they botch it or they've lied about it. And uh, there's there's no trust that most people have. Well, when the, the government that, announces a big project. And the thing they keep saying is it's going to be up to the local counties to carry this out, to make this work. Okay. It may be a statewide bill, but it's going to be up to the local jurisdictions. Our counties? To make sure they have the mental hospitals ready. The, and, the, yeah. the, 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 the five women who run this county? Hilda Solis? Yeah. That genius? Not... Janice Hahn? Right. I, I mean, so we're going to give, uh, L.A. County is going to get a, a huge chunk of that. Six billion dollars because we're such a we're twenty five percent of the state's population, so we'll probably get several billion dollars out of it. And then they're the ones who are going to set up the uh, the mental health hospitals and clinics and all the protocol for the program. They will. When I see a number like that, it's over six billion dollars. All I can think of here comes another industrial complex, right? Well, yeah, a lot of money will be spent, and we'll be looking around, and there's twice the homeless people in five years. We're like, what was that about? Yeah, right. And then twenty years from now, uh, if we're not all dead, 
we're going to read a story in uh, whatever replaces the L.A. Times. It's like, well, that landmark 2024 bill to spend $6 billion 20 years later turns out to be a huge disappointment and failure. All right. Now, listen to this. And uh, uh, I like the way this is put in the story. California is enjoying a relatively calm wildfire season this year. Did anybody notice? Not a lot of coverage of this in the El Segundo Times or no. a lot of news outlets because this is kind of good news on a front where they only want to give you bad news, right? Well, uh, the it, drought, the climate change, right. fires. It doesn't. So g- they're not they're not paying much attention. The number of acres burned so far this year is less than one third of our five year average. Be- How about that for a stat? And and right, they don't have a hook to lie to us. And, and, well, and try to frighten us. They're, they're, what, what are they supposed to do? We were supposed to have endless heat waves and endless drought. Two years ago, that's, that's what and, they were endless selling. fires, right. And then all of a sudden... Fire season's all year round now, folks. We, we had a very cool year, and we had a very wet year, and the ingredients for fire, uh, just not there. Right? And that is what the Department of Forestry and Fire Protection is saying. Historic winter storms. How many atmospheric rivers was it? Well, we ended up in a record snowpack. In the middle of August, we ended up getting what three, four inches of rain. Yes. So, so we couldn't even they couldn't even dry out if they were drying oh. out from the winter. And they they got re-soaked in August. But this quickly turns around because now we're going to have ample vegetation growth, and Man. that can be new fuel for new fires. And the fall winds could still be approaching us. You never really have about Santa Anna's now. It's already already mid-October. I know, but they think Santa Anna's go into January. They they say that that is the possibility. Most most of the fire season that I can remember is August to early November. Oh, it seems like the last few years we kept hearing more up north than down here. Yeah, they tried tried selling the year-round fire season. Uh, that 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 old, that oaf Jerry Brown and oh, silly Schwarzenegger started Schwarzenegger. That. They always selling you around fire season. That hasn't happened. That was a lie. That was propaganda. That was hype. Because what they want to do is justify how they're trying to control your lives, get you out of your cars, tax you to death so gas is six dollars a gallon. You know, make you ride bicycles to work. That that was all part of the psychological warfare that they engage in. So they talked to you, you Safford, who's the chief scientist, I like this, of vibrant planet and faculty of the UC Davis Department of Environmental Science and Policy. So he's chief scientist at something called Vibrant Planet, and then he's on the faculty at UC Davis. And he said this, with very simple common sense, I tend not to give much credence to the idea that single events and single summers or winters can be ascribed to climate change. They're not. Which is what they always try to get us to believe. Anytime there's a fire or we don't have water for a few months, oh my God, it's the end of things again. They're, right? they're, they're not. They're he not. Said, there's, no, there's no connection between these one-shot events and climate change. There simply isn't. And they've tried. But, but ultimately, every time the scientists do a, a review... Of of the of the of the whole situation, right? Regarding yeah. fire seasons and and, and 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 the mechanism. What, what what is it in climate change that would lead to a fire season or would lead to unusually dry or wet weather? They've never been able to 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 draw the map. They've never been able to figure it out. Because it probably doesn't exist. So he also said California has the highest interannual variability and precipitation of any state in the US. It is normal. To go from a record wet year to a record or nearly record dry year. And that's just the way it is. You know what? So there's the simple truth. that, we, But everybody reacts year to year 
And now, of course, they're selling us, oh, it rains so much, there's going to be so much vegetation that'll burn this next year. Well, it's, it's, it's not going to. Uh, the, 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 these people, it, it, it's gotten very difficult in the internet era where news sites are judged by how many hits they get. Yeah. Uh, you never used to see these articles during the print era because no single article would be responsible for the sales of a newspaper, you know, outside of some catastrophic event, right? Nobody bought the paper the next day to read about the climate story. Now they're trying to gin up fake climate news in order to get hits from those emotionally stunted people who are uh, have been mentally disturbed by the climate news we talked yesterday about ecotherapists climate cafes climate cafes and you meet ecotherapists and i guess presumably you pay them hundreds of dollars an hour to work out all your climate angst yeah your anxiety and stress over and, the and, climate your future and this affects uh young people in their 20s who have been brainwashed by all these 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 buffoons in their colleges and high schools that somehow the climate's been destroyed of course no such thing has happened but again you know like you see the protesters in the streets right railing about uh, uh, the the israelis and railing about islam they have been indoctrinated since they were children with this apocalyptic religion that the climate is about to is about to malfunction to the point that we all die. And so they walk around, oh, we're going to die today. It's a little too warm today. I'm going to die. And now they're going to therapists to try to undo like, you know, 15 or 20 years of this nonsense. And even if that works, they'll find something else to fret about. It's the, just the way some people are built. Yeah. No, and there, there's have always to have some apocalypse to worry there, about. There is always money in selling an apocalypse. Uh, how many religions were created. How many preachers made fortunes? Te television preachers. Uh, and it was all about apocalypse. It was all about, hey, we're going to hell. We're all sinners. We've all offended God. We're all going to go to hell. You have to give me money and so I can continue my mission to get us all redeemed in the eyes of God. It's, it's now instead of a, a religion with a God and a church, now it's about the climate. It's about Mother Nature being offended and striking back at us with bad weather. It's absolutely a religion, a religious phenomenon, nothing else. All right, more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Well, you know, one thing we don't have as much of anymore, and I guess it's a good thing. I don't think we do. Serial killers, right? That was a big thing in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s. Yeah, they, serial killers. They had names. Well, they that's had, what we're talking about, the they, Sunset Strip killers. They had trademarks. Dougal, Douglas Daniel Clark was one half of a duo. This was a man and a woman who became known as the Sunset Strip Killers. 75 years old. He, of course, was on death row, but in California, nobody's executed. 40 years on death row. He died of natural causes. But the story is really creepy. His um, co-murderer was Carol Bundy. Uh, according Bundy. to LA Magazine, yeah, not related to Ted Bundy. I looked it up. Not related. Just mm, really? coincidence of, of a last name, yes. Carol Bundy. She died in 2003, by the way. 
so that she met her fate years ago, apparently of heart failure. They met in late 1979, and they had a whirlwind romance despite Clark's increasingly sadistic desires. He killed his first victim, Marnette Comer, in early June of 80. She was a runaway. Basically, they went after people who worked in the sex trade or runaway women, and uh, they murdered them. He killed his next two victims, teenage stepsisters. The two had lived in Huntington Beach, but the remains were found near Highway 101 in the L.A. area. He confessed to Bundy about the murders and invited her to take part in subsequent killings. And sure enough, she did. The two more young where, women where, were killed. Where do, you, where do you get a girlfriend like that? Bundy would go on to murder and decapitate her ex-boyfriend, John Robert Murray. So she threw a guy in there just for good... Uh, I, she was a vocational nurse. I'll do anything for you, honey. Would you kill for me? Yes, I would kill for you. Now, I want to stop and tell you that it's going to be very difficult to read the next part. But apparently, Bundy would go on to murder and decapitate her ex-boyfriend. She confessed to the co-workers about the killings. The pair was arrested shortly thereafter during the police investigation. This is the woman now, Carol Bundy, testified in a deposition that this murderer, Clark, had necrophilia and that he kept one of his victims, Exie Wilson's head in a freezer for sexual purposes. That's... If it's just a head, you don't no, have to... No, 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 no. You don't have to imagine too much about no. what that was about. Oh. I told you it'd be difficult. You crushed oh. all your... Yeah, yes, he kept her head in a freezer. For sexual purposes. Well, that same woman's head was was found inside a wooden box. I guess they eventually discarded it. Yeah, I see. I guess after so the first day. the head was in the freezer and then the head was in the in the wooden box. Yeah, I guess they threw it in an alleyway. It was time to throw it away. Wow. One of the victims' bodies was found behind a Burbank steakhouse. Which one? Oh, have we been there? I, I wow. I'd never heard of this guy. No, I didn't. Do you see his eye patch picture? Yeah, and he's this uh, old balding guy with a white beard and a black eye patch on his left eye. Yeah, Douglas Daniel Clark. In fact, I, I can't say, but, but I wasn't living here that I didn't know about the Sunset Strip Killers. No, I never, never heard of this uh, this guy or this woman. Everybody knows like a well, well they, were the sent, they were sent. They were sent in eighty three. I mean, it's over. It's forty years ago. That's why I said serial killers are like. Wait, I'm glad a dying breed. You just don't hear too much about this anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, he was, he was. In on death row when they were still occasionally killing people. He was admitted to death row on March 24th, 1983. But I guess his number never came up because we stopped executing people back in 06. Because remember, I think uh, there was Tookie, and I think Tookie's murders were like 1979 or something like that. So I, it's something. Mm -hmm. He was in line. Long. It's about your appeals running out, you know, and that kind of thing. But uh the unusual thing about this is that uh, a woman teamed up with them. That's unusual. That uh, a vocational yeah. nurse, no less. She yeah. apparently uh, went along, and I'm sure her defense was, "Oh, he manipulated me, and he intimidated me." I don't know what her defense was. I mean, obviously, she was sentenced to, but she he went got after, in prison. Years he ago. Went after, she went after the ex-boyfriend, though, and, and yeah, chopped his head off. Yeah, well, Boy, but you really got to pay attention to who you go dating. He was convicted of Even six after you counts break of first-degree murder, uh, one count of attempted murder, and yes, one count of mutilation slash sexual contact with human remains. 
and then he went on death row, but he died. It doesn't it just says they believe it's natural causes. You know, and a lot of them were in, in the Cal, in California too. Yeah, they seem to have been, don't they? What is it about? Because this this actually this 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 whole killing spree goes back to. I mean, when I was a kid, the Boston Strangler, but that you know that was not a California but, but, thing, but, but, but like the Night Stalker. And, 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 and you mentioned that it, you know it used to be in the '60s and '70s. Well, this 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 was in the 1970s. 70s. Into it got the 80s. started into the 80s. So what was it about that era in California? You had all those cults. You had you know the Manson family. You had uh, Symbionese Liberation Army and Patty Hearst. It was a wild and, time. Yeah, you had all, you know, the Zodiac Killer, right? And um, See, now you agree with the, the, time, the L.A. Times. Things are better now, John. You're going back to some horrible, <laughs> murderous days. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. Now, yeah, we, now we just get lots of individual murders. All right. Uh, Dippity-Doo Newsom uh, made a big deal of signing a Senate bill, number 43, this week. And it's supposed to change the terms for somebody to be taken in under conservatorship. What are we talking about here? The homeless. Those considered gravely disabled, which by my eyes is really all of them. But you, know. you cannot provide basic personal needs or you're mentally incompetent. That would account for uh, a, a great majority of the vagrants living in the streets. So, so supposedly this is going to get them off the streets, even if they refuse to accept because of mental illness or addiction. Even if they refuse to accept Even the if help. they refuse, really? Well, we'll see. We're going to talk to right. Union Rescue Mission CEO Andy Bales after the news, because obviously he's right there at ground zero on this kind of story. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark, live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.